the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the masterclass, an impromptu masterclass. To be honest with you guys, or should I call it a disaster class? Because last night was absolutely terrible, Rob. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Manchester United in heartbreaking fashion, to be honest. As soon as the game finished, I turned it off. I couldn't watch. I couldn't listen to any of the analysis. Went to bed, hardly got a wink of sleep last night, I'll be honest with you. Woke up in a bad mood, had a bad day at work. <laughs> it's all just come tumbling down and here. We're going to have a bit of football therapy. I'm joined, as always, by Rob, my fantastic co-host. Rob, what are your thoughts on that? I know that you're actually in a little bit of a chipper mood because you went to see the new Manchester United Sir Alex Ferguson movie. So you've come back feeling a little bit energised. So why don't you share with us what you watched and uh, why you're feeling so positive after yesterday's result? So I wasn't feeling positive last night. Like Just like you, didn't sleep well not feeling great about the world, all of that stuff as Manchester United fans across the world will be feeling today. But I have just come out of the cinema and uh, I was lucky enough to go and see the Sir Alex Ferguson film, Never Give In, uh, which is a kind of retrospective, obviously, about him, his time at United, obviously his health issues recently, but more importantly about how he built the club through adversity, how he came to United from his Aberdeen days. And it shows really what he did at Aberdeen from his transition as a player at Rangers and to how he kind of came to Old Trafford and, and restarted and rebooted the football club. Um, and it was quite deep in the sense that it showed how bad things have to get first before they get better. You know, how do you get to a point where you're happy with things? How do you find a way to start winning matches? And as Fergie kind of explains in the film, it starts by losing them. So last night was a complete disaster class, as I tweeted earlier on. Um, I think Ole got it wrong. Um, I think the players were poor. I think things that I will say to start on the show that you can carry one or two who have a bad in a bad game, but you can't carry six or seven or eight. And I think we had that a little bit yesterday. But more than that, I think Ole, with his selection, which wasn't particularly controversial, I think most of the Twitter Reds were quite happy to see Paul Pogba in a pivot, to see Mason on the football pitch and to see... Uh, Marcus on the left of the of the of the attack. It wasn't controversial, but I felt it was wrong from the first minute. I didn't feel good about that team playing a low block against a low block and not having options on the bench because I would have preferred to see Mason start the game as a sub to see um, Pogba on the left to see Rashford on the right. Again, not a popular thing, but then a proper double pivot, which probably would have meant Matic playing very deep, allowing McTominay to break free. McTominay played like a demon last night, like just Duracell bunny galore, running and running and running like a nutcase and looking like he really wanted it. So we'll, we'll unpack all of that because there's a lot to go through, much more than we thought they would be. Uh, and in this defeat, you know, United have to find a way now to, to take it as a positive, take it on the chin, go forward, rebuild, look what they got wrong in that match. But we must hold on to the fact that one defeat cannot derail this project. 
And I say project because that's the word Fergie uses a lot in his film, is that Manchester United and all football clubs are projects. You have to go in there, get in people's heads and find ways to win. I think um, you make a great point about McTominay. McTominay was fantastic yesterday. I mean, there was a handful of players, I think, that performed. Mason was probably one of them as well for me. You know, you can see what a player he's developed into in yeah. terms of the way he holds up the ball, his dribbling, his strengths improved. And I thought actually Pogba had a good game, Rob, to be honest. And I think Pogba was a big talking point today because of the fact that he played deeper. So let's go through the selection. Mm -hmm. And we saw De Gea in goal. And we'll talk about De Gea a little bit later, guys. And uh, I think, you know, difficult night for him Rob especially if that's his last game and I just don't like to see the abuse that we see I don't like to see the scapegoating that we see United had 120 minutes to win this football match because the goalkeeper didn't save and look he is a bad bad penalty saver Rob he's one of the worst ones I've seen because he doesn't make himself big in front of in front of the goal and I don't I don't know what it is but I don't feel confident when he's in goal when it comes to penalties but looking at the defense we saw Bar surprisingly starting for Axel start we saw Bai starting next to Lindelof and we saw Shaw with Wambisaka and then we saw the double pivot now this was quite big Oli putting Pogba deeper now what are your thoughts on that because Paul Pogba's played up on the left and he's played very very well he's been very creative Bruno's looked better with him next to next to him allowing him to have a little bit of extra yard of pace a uh, space sorry but looking over at uh, Paul Pogba deep you can't help but feel he's a little bit wasted. And when you saw Villarreal sitting so deep, inviting United on, good ball retention, two, with the ability to unlock you know, a, a low block, and three, someone who's just going to make something happen in those tight areas. I think the thing is, for me, in, and I tweeted my team out, obviously, before the match and how I wanted to see it unfold. There were three kind of key points that, as I said, I don't think they were debatable. I don't think United fans were on Twitter getting upset about them. But for me, these were the kind of three pinpricks that were kind of on my skin, like pulling away. First of all, Lindelof on the left-hand side of the centre-backs is a problem. It's been a problem since Maguire's gone out. So when Lindelof's gone there, you can see that United can't play out from the back. Why is that? Because the shape is all wrong. Because what does Lindelof do? He gets the ball and he cuts back in on his right and he gives it to the centre-back next to him when he should be going the other way and giving it to Luke Shaw, just as what Harry Maguire does. Or you run into the space with the ball. So that was the first point. So I would have played two and Zabi on the left, because two and Zabi showed in the last couple of games, he's much more natural there. The other point there is where did you play Paul Pogba? Now, United fans for a week, including yourself, Haydar, I'm not letting you off on this, have been calling for Paul Pogba to play deeper and not in the front line. Why is that? Because you lose the pace on the left without having Pogba, we're having Pogba in there. And obviously Rashford is better on the left there's none of that is incorrect the problem that I saw it was that Villarreal were always going to play a low block they were always going to try and score a goal from a set piece and once they got that goal they were going to try and suffocate United and it feels like that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't know any of that from the way he picked his team it felt like that when we found out that Fred was injured and we found out fairly early on in the day we knew that Fred wasn't going to play and I, I tweeted that out as well you found that Ole just thought we're going to go out there and we're going to score goals and beat them. And that's what I think United fans felt because I had loads of people again tweeting me going, oh, we just got to go out there and thrash them, score loads of goals. Like, like, like tactics and technique and all that stuff doesn't matter. When you get into a final of a European game like this against the Spanish side, you have to be technically and tactically better. 
what Ole did was he relied on the 11 players that he probably trusts the most. So we saw this because obviously we'll talk about the substitutions uh, throughout this. Uh, Lack of substitutions, Rob, is probably uh, a better word for um, it. That, that for me, that was one of the big disasters of the day was that he could have changed it on the hour mark and he could have changed it when maybe United equalised to ramp it up a little bit to find a way in. And he didn't. And I think, again, it's a trust issue. He looks at those boys on the pitch and he says, these are my boys. These are the ones that I trust. So I'm going to give them the maximum time. He gave Marcus Rashford 120 minutes and Marcus is injured. Now, Marcus is playing because he loves Man United. He loves the club. He loves everything about it. And he will run through brick walls for this manager. And he said that after the game. But if you lose the game because of it or partly because of it, that is a problem. So I would have preferred to see Rashford start on the right. I know people don't like that, but it's tough. That would have been the correct tactical thing to do. I would have liked to see Pogba on the left. That would have allowed Luke Shaw to overlap. All night long, Luke Shaw didn't overlap because he couldn't. Why? Because Rashford stood on the left wing. We don't even play wingers. I've said this weeks before. So the whole shape just seemed terrible. And then how does that affect Bruno? It means Bruno's got nowhere to go and no one to link up with. So for me, this is what the story of the game was, was that those three positions, which Ole went with in a kind of more simplistic way of saying, well, I'm just going to put my boys out there that do me the job, who are going to fight hard and get the ball to Cavani with a cross in and we'll score and we'll win. That simplicity was the reason why we lost, because there was no depth to United's tactics. And Paul Pogba spent most of the night dominating the ball 70 yards away from play, you know, 70 yards away from their goalkeeper. Paul Pogba doesn't want to do that. That's not his best position. He can play in the double pivot, but in a European final, play Paul Pogba near the box. And he didn't do it, unfortunately. Well, we make a good point about Paul Pogba. Look, we've got his statistics across uh, across the screen here. If you're listening to this on audio on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you're looking here, look, Pogba was very involved. He had 100 uh, touches, 85.1% pass completion, one key pass, zero crosses, Possession lost 17. Dribbles completed, Rob. Let's talk about the dribbles because Paul Pogba, we spoke about him in the end of season review that we did last week. Paul Pogba is a fantastic progressive ball carrier. Yep. And he's extremely creative. Yep. Now, you, you make a great point. We spoke on about it earlier on in the season when it comes to Marcus Rashford. When Rashford is injured, he doesn't run the channels. We've said no. this many times. We've been saying this for months. He does not run the channels. And he goes and wider. He Naturally, yeah. he goes wider to stretch yeah. the play because that is, at least positionally, he's trying to help the team. But yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't do that. And one thing about Luke Shaw, and we saw this actually last year when we lost Sevilla in the semi-final, Luke Shaw not playing is a massive, massive slight on United's attack. A lot of great stuff comes from his combination with whoever's playing on the left. Usually it's Marcus. Now, when you're looking at Paul Pogba, I actually thought the pivot wasn't really the problem yesterday. But, and the comment was saying here as well, why didn't Oli go for someone like Matic? Someone that's going to be a little bit more disciplined if Fred wasn't fit. Someone that's just going to be able to pro provide the platform so that, so that United can play Paul Pogba further forward. That will help Bruno. Bruno will have a little bit more space, a bit more time on the ball. Because Bruno was anonymous, Rob. I don't really remember him doing very much at all. No key passes as well. You know, this is your number 10, your most creative player. They need yeah. to be doing that. Yeah. And another thing you have to add to that as well, Rob, is that United didn't have any options really off the bench. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because you had Ahmad, who I know he's young, but it's a final. He has something about him. You've got an option on the bench. You've got to throw the kitchen sink at it. I don't think Oli did that. But the yeah. fact of the matter is, and I love Mason 
and I was happy to see him start. But United needed something off the bench, didn't they? Someone yeah. like Mason, someone like Cavani, maybe even, maybe even Marcus off the bench. Someone that could change the game. And unfortunately, putting all your stars out there, no Martial on the bench. You know, hindsight's wonderful, but Martial off the bench would have been an asset. He was injured. He's injured. Yeah, Apparently, injured. But, you know, if he was fit, then he would have been an asset. Not having that, it was almost a bit like naivety, really, from Oli last yeah. night. To put That's all the, your yeah. best players out there, it was almost like, right, like you said, we're going to blow them away because we've got some fantastic players out there. He picked the team. He picked the team like a fan. Yeah, he picked the team like fans do on Twitter who don't look at the tactics. They just go, Marcus Rashford plays on the left, so you play him on the left. It's like, do you? You know, like you just said there, we love Mason. Yeah, we do love Mason. I'd have sat Mason's ass on the bench. Why? Because that's what's best for the team. You know, Mason Greenwood is going to be a world-class striker and a world-class forward. We love him to bits. He shouldn't have started yesterday. Why? Because your killer is Paul Pogba. Now, you look at those stats, and there's two stats that jump out at me there, yeah? One key pass, no dribbles. Now, you just talked there about the dribbles and what a great progressive dribbler he is. But no one could dribble yesterday. Paul Pogba is not going to dribble when he's picking the ball up five yards off Victor Lindelof. So that for me, I watched the game and that was one of the big frustrations for me was that our best player, because he is, Paul Pogba is our best player, was picking the ball up on the halfway line, almost like a centre-back, almost like Fred does week to week to week. So he was kind of doing the Fred role yesterday which we know what the Fred role is. And Scott McTominay was doing the raiding role. So Scott was running like a dog and did all the hard work and all of that and dribbling through the midfield and stuff that really you don't want Paul Pogba picking up the ball in those areas. But what you want is Paul Pogba almost like posting up like you do in basketball, having his back to it, to the, to the, um, to the left back and bringing people in with these smart little passes that he does. Then saying to Bruno, on your bike, Bruno, second man run, because I can find you. But Bruno wasn't doing that because no one can find him. So all of these issues, as I said, Ole picked the team, I think, in a very maverick way. And I tweeted before the game that I didn't want to see United be too maverick. I wanted them to attack. I wanted them to be positive. But the idea is that you win the game in 90 minutes, Haydar. Yeah, you'd never win the game in minute one. You win it in the 90th minute. And I think that once United made it one all, there was only really one team that was going to win it in normal time, and that was us. Because Villarreal looked shocked. You know, it was that they looked like the next 10 minutes were really important to them. And they made loads of substitutes. I think they had four substitutes in that period after United scored. And they were fitter, and United looked absolutely knackered. So I don't understand why Ole didn't make those changes. Only he can say why he didn't. But I think it's because of trust. Um, I might have liked to just in, just throw someone like Ahmed on. Like you saw what Ahmed could do against AC Milan. Just say, if, if you're not happy with someone, like That's say Marcus, the whole if, Marcus game, if Marcus isn't fit, the change I would have made on 60 minutes, this is what I was begging for, is I'd have taken Marcus off, I'd have put Fred on, or dare I say it, I'd have put Donny van der Beek on. Why? Yeah. So Donny van der Beek, for me, can't play in a double pivot. However, if you're going to play and you're chasing the game and trying to win the game in the last 30 minutes and you want someone who's just a little bit more progressive in the middle of the park and it allows Paul Pogba to go and play the left side of the attack, because this is what I'm all about. You know me. I want Paul Pogba there. That's where that's where we're going to win the game. Then bring on Donny or bring on Fred. Now, Fred showed he came on. He's, he was fit enough to do some minutes. But that change should have been done a lot earlier. And I cannot believe that Marcus played 120 minutes with an absolutely smashed up foot 
He said it after the game, his foot is is stuffed. You know, he didn't want to talk about the Euros. He didn't want to talk about it. He has played injured for most of the season, just like he did last year. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not really, you know, it's his choice at the end of the day. Like players, if they want to put their bodies on the line, it's normal. I've talked to so many footballers over the past and they all say we play with injuries. It's normal. Yeah, it's and, normal. And, and you're not going to stop Marcus Rashford getting on that plane to Poland. He wants to play. But the problem is, is that if you're a manager, you've got to make hard decisions. One actual bit just to tie in here is that in the Fergie film, he talks about Jim Layton in the 1990 FA Cup final. Jim Layton was his goalkeeper at Aberdeen and he trusted Jim Layton. And Jim Layton had a really bad FA Cup final, but we drew three all. And he dropped him for the for the, for the the replay. And Les Seeley came in and Les Seeley played a blinder. And I remember this because I'm old enough. And United won that FA Cup. And many people to this day will say because he dropped Jim Layton, they won that game. Jim Layton was really good friends with Sir Alex and he never spoke to Sir Alex ever again after that game. He left United and they never spoke again. And Fergie said, my job is to make those hard decisions. If I lose that relationship with that player, it's for the club, it's for the team. And really, that's how Ole has to see it. I don't think Ole is matey with them all. I don't believe that. But he should have looked at Marcus and gone, 60 minutes in, mate. Your race is run. Thanks for your, your work. I'm going to change this because I want to win the game. That didn't happen. And I think it's almost unfair on Marcus. Obviously, we've seen the reaction on social media with the racism and all of that. We know that's ridiculous. But you look at some of these plays, you know, people are talking about De Gea not saving penalties. I know you said it at the top of the show. He's not a great penalty saver. And there's every chance that you could have had Dean Henderson in there. But there's no guarantee that once you get to a penalty shootout, you can win it like that. The idea is you win it in 120 minutes, but even better, go and win it in like 25 minutes in the first 25 minutes of a game like Man City do or like United used to do, go and win these games early. Don't go all the way because when you go all the way, you give teams like Villarreal a chance. Great point there, Rob. Especially, you know, United starting pretty well, then after going a goal behind, I was very worried. I said, you know, when you, if United go a goal behind against this side, they're going to pank, uh, they're going to camp all their players pretty much, you know, in their own half. And that's what they mm -hmm. did. The yeah, centre-backs totally. were sitting in front of the, the penalty box and, can you blame that's what's work blame you know Emery, that's what's worked for him it's worked for him really really well he's won that's his fourth trophy i believe it's just about winning like in, yeah, that, in those scenarios exactly. just win the game you don't have to be good again in the fergie film sorry to bring that up again obviously champions league final we win in 99 fans might not remember we were absolutely diabolical in that game Bayern munich smashed us to pieces they hit the crossbar they hit the post they hit the crossbar they hit the post and i remember watching that game thinking this is ridiculous but we won it because that's what those games are about. Last night was about winning, but I think it shows that Ole still has some naivety, and I think he needs to expand his squad. This is what it showed. He trusts those 11 players, but, you know, Wan Mata might have been the right player to bring on and just plop in the middle of the park, just to dictate a little bit more, to pick the lock. But Ole never really did try to pick the lock. I think Pogba went that's, forward for a bit, and, and it was too late. By then, it was way too late, and, you know, there, there were players that should have come off before Mason came off and before Pogba came off. That's the issue, Rob. 80th minute, Paul Pogba went up, up on the left. And that's the problem. There's a fantastic video that I shared. You know, though, recently Sir Alex sat with Gary Neville and he did a series of those yeah. clips that came out. And Sir Alex said, you know, 10 minutes ago, what's the point of having two holding midfielders? Go and get players forward. There's nothing better than a last minute goal. I know, I know that's very, it's a very rom romantic sort of, 
view of it, you know, oh, you know, we put players forward and United will score a last minute winner. But the point is that it's a cup final. There was absolutely nothing to lose. You know, I'd much rather if the boys had just gone for it and tried to score. How many times do you remember where we were just peppering their goal? We weren't pushing players forward. We weren't. And that was a problem for me. It's yeah. that I just wanted to see courage. There, were, I didn't see enough courage yesterday. And it almost felt like it almost felt like Oli was you know, even happy that the fact we can go to penalties and win it that way. And that's a gamble, as you said, whether payers at all or not, it's not really the point. To gamble on something which is pretty much a 50-50 chance whether you're going to win it, rather than going and actually putting players on to try and win the game. Look, Donny van der Beek is a player who obviously hasn't had much game time this year. He's had minutes, but he hasn't had, you know, large chunks of minutes or consecutive, consecutive games, um, you know, in the team. But he could have offered something, Rob. He could have offered something. Yeah, I, I don't believe that United didn't have anything on the bench. That's my point. You know, that United did have players on the bench that Ole could have utilised. He chose not to. And as I said, I think that's because of trust. But that's him. That's up to him who he trusts. You know, he should be looking at his bench players and saying, right, how do I pick this lock? How You know, it's a Rubik's Cube. I always call it that. You know, find a way to get through the puzzle and get to the end of the game. So, you know, I look at it this way. I, I know what Fergie's saying there about holding midfielders and all of that. United don't play with defensive midfielders. We keep saying this every week. It's not really a defensive shape. 4-2-3-1 allows United to play with a bit of width in the channel and to go forward. You saw Scott McTominay. Was he a defensive midfielder last night? Absolutely not. Scott McTominay was running from the halfway line. Like no, one was, no one was, Rob, when you're dominating that much territory. Exactly. So you're, 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 so the low block is there and the, and the low block's inviting you on. So I don't think with 10 minutes to go, Ole then for right, I'm going to change my pivot. That's not what he was thinking. He's thinking, right, what do I change further up the field? My point is it was too late. On the 80th minute, Paul Pogba, I want Paul Pogba playing there from minute one. And I know fans get funny about it. They're always like, you don't have the pace in there. It doesn't help. United need to play with pace. But you don't. You just need to be good at football. And the problem is, is that it's not that Marcus Rashford isn't good at football. It's that Marcus Rashford is injured and Marcus Rashford cannot play at full tilt for 90 minutes. And I think that is more the issue for him is that he wants to run in behind, but obviously there's no space there. But at the same time, if you're managing an injury, you saw, I think, in the last 10 minutes, he kind of came to life. And we, we were chatting about that. I was kind of saying, I think it's got more to do with him conserving energy and then going, right, now I'm going to give it 10 minutes of really hard running. But if you're doing that, something's wrong, isn't it? Something is not right. And you need to have a player that can give you that energy. It could have been Ahmad. It could have been Pogba. It could have been Mata maybe going to the right, allowing Mason to go through the middle. You could have pulled Cavani to the left like he played at PSG. There were options. You know, there are absolutely options there. I don't believe for a second that Kozole decided not to do it was just because of trust. He needs to be more lateral in that situation. And and I do think those tactics, that they made us pay. You know, we got to the end of the game and now people talk about De Gea. And it's like, you know, there, this, it, this, it, it, 11 perfect penalties against him, including the other goalkeeper. Their goalkeeper hit a worldie of a penalty. I would have preferred De Gea just to smash it, you know, rather than placing it. But you can't blame the goalkeeper for that. And also people having a go at De Gea today. Don't forget that this man was our player of the season year after year this after year it. after this year. So give the man some respect because he yeah. deserves it. He's going to leave the football club now. It is probably the right time in terms of letting Dean Henderson move forward with it. There, there is the argument that he could have played Dean Henderson for the penalties and done a Louis Van Gaal like he did with Sillison all those years ago, uh, bringing on Krull. But that's a huge gamble. 
because then you're losing an outfield player. You know, you're doing it in a different way. You're kind of looking of, do I bring on that player to take a penalty like he did with Mata and Tellez, or do I change my goalkeeper? And I'm not sure if Henderson saves any of those penalties. They were all so good, but it would have been a huge gamble. And say he loses it because of that gamble. What are we saying today? You disrespected De Gea. You should have left De Gea in the goal. De Gea is the, the, the experienced one. He's the one that's won all the trophies in the past. So I think that's a kind of more 50-50 situation. My sort of two cents on the De Gea point, Rob, is that, and I said it a little bit earlier, United had 120 minutes. Win the football game. We're not blaming the goalkeeper. Yeah, she just, she just saved a few. He got his hand to a few, possibly. I'm not confident with him on penalties. But the fact of the matter is that he, that United didn't create enough. Two shots no. on target, Rob. Did yeah. not create enough at all. Didn't play with tempo. And ultimately, ultimately, Rob, Villarreal probably deserved it. Probably. I mean, both sides were pretty poor for me. I don't, I don't really see there was much difference. But looking at across the bottom here, 12 shots for Villarreal. We had more, 14. Possession, as expected. United completely dominated with 61%. Two mm-hmm. shots on target. Our passing was better. Only one big chance created uh, by both teams. But, Rob, I just want to read out. There's so many questions. Guys, thank you for all your interaction. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll try and get to them um, as many as possible. But there is a question here from Ronan. Now, before I bring up this question, Rob, I don't want to make this about Oli and Oli out. It's, it's absolute rubbish. I'm gonna, I was going to swear there, but obviously we can't swear. It's absolute rubbish. That's not what we're here to do. I think there's legitimate questions you can ask. I yeah. think there's legitimate questions you can ask regarding uh, the contract. You know, there are talks that coming out today. It's going to be a three-year contract. For me, that's too That's too long, that contract. I'm just saying it. I'm not saying Sack Oli. That's stupid. I'm mm-hmm. saying he's got a year. Give him an extra year. We saw this, the club do the same with Mourinho. Didn't back him in the summer. Then he's gone by Christmas. I, it's just poor planning so that's what i worry about you know are the club going to do the same thing you don't know with the you know the track record doesn't suggest when united finish high up in the league that they go and spend the money needed to go and challenge um but ronan's asking here how long do we tolerate ollie's mistake next season if he doesn't learn from this this has to be a learning experience for ollie gonna solskjaer it has to be rob everything that possibly possibly could have gone wrong did go wrong naivety is what i'm going to call it is his first final as a manager now I think one of the issues that we see, and Twitter's been horrible today. Let's be honest; it's been it's been toxic. Is that That's we every need to be able to, every day we need to be able to be objective and to openly critique things that need to be critiqued or criticised. Yeah. We have to be able to do this as adults. We have to be objective. Yesterday, Oli, the players, everyone deserves to be criticised because it was. It was a horrible performance, mm-hmm. but you can you can criticize the performance. But it doesn't have to descend into right sack Ollie now or Ollie doesn't do anything wrong. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's just yeah. the fan base need to just relax and say things how they are. But it doesn't have to go from one extreme to the other. We were talking about this off air. Yeah, I look emotions run high when you lose a game like that. Yeah, you played badly. You deserve to lose probably in the context of the penalty shootout and allowing it to get that far in the game. Do I think that Villarreal were better than Man United on the day? No, I think United probably were the better team, had the better moments. But we were talking about United being a moments team, but probably not having enough moments in the penalty box. So that's one thing. Uh, I think when we look at the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situation and how do you go forward and how do you build... Personally, as a football fan, I have no interest in contracts because that is a deal between the club and the manager and wages and trust and all of those things. So like you said, you might give him a year or two and they're going to maybe give him three. So what? If he does badly and he's got a 
200-year contract, they'll still sack him. So, so what? None of that really matters for the project. You know, they're not going to go, oh, we're not going to hold on to a manager because he's got an extra year or two on his deal. It just doesn't work like that. Look at Mourinho at Spurs. Look at every other top manager that's lost their jobs at top clubs before when they've signed new deals. It does happen. I do think with Ole is that the mistakes that he made yesterday are partly naivety. But as like I said, it's this whole trust vacuum of how many players does he trust to get the job done? Now, we see it in the Premier League. I don't believe that he trusts Donny van der Beek. I don't believe, he trusts, I don't believe he trusts Matic anymore. I don't no. believe he trusts Tellez. I don't think he looks at one matter and thinks you can affect games for me. You know, I think he looks at it in this kind of pragmatic way. And that is the right way to do it. And again, in the Fergie film, that's kind of what he was saying. Players come in and there's ones that you trust and others that you don't. And the ones that you don't, you've got to try and cajole along and find a better way for them. And eventually you bin them and you bring in one or two or three more. That's how it works. That's the cycle of football. Um, and I think with Ole, we are still very, very much in that cycle. So, Someone said to me, you know, two and a half years, no trophies, unacceptable. The problem is, it's not where United are now. It's where United have come from. And I've said this on the show before. We have now had, what, eight years of not winning the Premier League, you know, around that kind of amount. Four years of not winning a trophy at all. And of course, we're hungry for those things. So we want to see things happen. But it is not just going to suddenly change. If we get rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and bring in Antonio Conte, it's not. You know, we've done this. We've brought in elite managers. Now, Gary Neville said this before. Louis van Gaal, elite manager. David Moyes, even before that, obviously a manager who'd done very well with Everton up to that point. Maybe not won the trophies, but highly regarded. Then, obviously, Jose. Those three managers couldn't get it done because the recruitment at Manchester United was so poor. Yeah, and that's the truth. You know, the recruitment strategy was bad. Ole has changed that. There's no doubt that he's changed the culture of how we recruit. And the idea is that you've got to give him more time. It's just the way it is. And he will correct his tactics. Like, if you see this over and over again and United start losing games because of it, then, of course, your neck is on the block and it's over, Haydar. You can have a 10-year contract. You're gone. Goodbye. doesn't matter. David Moyes, what was his contract? 11 months and he had a six-year contract? So these things don't really matter. What matters is progress. Have we seen progress in the Premier League this year? I think unbeaten away from home all season and 74 points says yes. Not always the most stylistically beautiful game of football from Manchester United. You know, we're not Man City, but we are above all our other competitors. Now, there's no trophies for that, and it shouldn't be considered a success. But was it a good or bad season? You know, I would say good. So if you've got a manager in that moment and things were good last season, the idea is that you back him in the transfer market, you give him the stuff that he needs and all the resources, and you go again. Last night was a complete horrible experience for all of us but we go again and that's what it's about you know you you take success and defeat and you treat them as the same thing and you go on to the next step because that's how you do it you do that in business you do that in life and you do that certainly in football we're going to bring up a comment here from nick i think it's uh, an interesting question he's saying here i guess the question regarding ollie is simple has he reached the ceiling with this club if we are honest, Oli is the fourth best manager in the current top um, top four clubs. Other three are world class. But that's, that's subjective. But a lot of that's subjective. That's it's that's an opinion. Okay, I know we don't do binary things, but let's just let's just break that down. Is Oli going to Solskjaer better than Pep Guardiola? I know what you're going to say. By the way, before we even go, you're going to say, "Well, yeah, he's sitting above them in the league." 
let's forget that we're talking about as a manager. Yeah. Is he better than Pep Guardiola, Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp? Um, is Fred better than Kante? That's answer the question. No, no, no. Cause Kante. I'm going to answer the question. The point of it is, is that all of that subjectivity, Haydar in sport doesn't matter. What matters is winning. Yeah, so if you win, you prove yourself to be the best. So Pep Guardiola is the best, not just in terms of opinion, like we all say that he's the best manager of his generation, but do you know why? Because he's proved it. You need time to prove it. You know, so when he was at Barcelona, it didn't keep him at a job at Barcelona. He did end up at Bayern Munich and then obviously went from Bayern Munich to City. And that's his that's his trajectory of how he does stuff. But the whole point is, is what is the point in saying, is this bowl of soup better than this bowl of soup? It just depends. They're just bowls of soup at the end of the day. So it's, it's, I, I, it's, it's, I think for, for Ole, the, the thing is, you could say, look, okay, we'll look at it this way. So if you got rid of Ole, what do you do? You've got Conte. Conte's an, an obvious choice. He's free. He's in the marketplace. There's even a chance, obviously, Pochettino's now going to be free on the marketplace. These are names that people like. So again, subjectivity says that people think that these are world-class managers. Well, Pochettino, who everyone wanted, you and me included, not really done a very good job at PSG, has he? Just lost the title in a situation that he shouldn't have lost it. Does that mean that Pochettino is now not a good manager? No. no. So, so th this is the point, is that you know the answers. It's not about being binary or not. You know, Pep is the best. Klopp is probably the second best. And then after that, it's, it's kind of up for grabs, isn't it? It's kind of like everyone else might have bigger reputations. You might say Bielsa is number third. Now, lots of people won't, might not say that, but if you're going ask Pep Guardiola, if you're going ask Pep Guardiola, who the best manager in Europe is, he will tell you it's Bielsa. Yeah, so he won't tell you it's Jurgen Klopp. So it's all subjective, and I'm not interested in subjectivity. I'm interested in facts, and and I think this is the whole thing with Ole is that factually he got it wrong yesterday. He needs to fix that, but also factually is that he did come second in the league, and had United actually you know, the last two or three games, not just chucked them away because they were waiting for this European final. We might have ended the season six or seven points behind City and we would have all been delirious with that, wouldn't we? We would have been like, what, six points behind this Man City team who are probably the best team in the world. You know, that's progress. So it is difficult because it's, it is way too subjective. Like you said there about being objective. I am being objective. I'm just looking at facts. I'm not looking at opinion. Do I think Ole will be successful next year? I hope so. But do you know what? If he isn't, he'll get sacked and he'll be rightfully sacked. If United end up third or fourth or fifth or sixth and start to trend the wrong way, you pay with it with your job. All you can do is go again. If you go again and get Sancho or maybe get a Kane or get, you know, eventually get a Haaland or get players that take you where you want to be, then the next stop is actually getting there. And I just think that, you know, we don't want to win a Euro lose a Europa League final like we did last night. But defeat is part of the building process. Rob, two very good comments here from Bess and Cantona, and they are, we all rely on our CVs for jobs, and Oli was not qualified to be the manager of United. It's not subjective. It's your record, what you've won, and that's all we can go on. That is a that is a. So fair why did point. Frank Lampard get that job at Chelsea? Yeah, but that was wrong. He got sacked because he wasn't he good got enough. Sacked, he got sacked because of his record. He got sacked in the end because of his record. You know, like, like again, the Fergie film. Fergie talks about how he ended up as a manager and how he got the job at Aberdeen because he was a part-time manager when he got the job at Aberdeen. So he wasn't, he was at, I think he was at Falkirk or, or East Stirling or somewhere. So he wasn't proven at all. And Aberdeen, who were like the third best team in Scotland, gave him the job because they believed in him. Sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. Like you say there about, you know, CVs, um, 
being what everything is judged on. That's not true. I've hired loads of people on instinct. Sometimes you look at someone and you go, you've got potential, you've got talent and I can develop you. So I can take you to that next level. You know, you're ready. You can have a brilliant CV, Haydar, and be absolutely garbage at your job. Absolutely, so you I think with, I think with Ole, we have to look at it like that. You know, we, we can't say that, you know, you say like he, he, he'd won obviously the title with Mulder. Well, who cares about that? He hadn't done very well with Cardiff. But he had been part of the backroom team at United for years. Okay, they here's, knew here's all about him. By the way, I'm, I'm not. Before anyone jumps in the comments, you know, after this and says that I'm, I'm being negative. I'm not. We're, we're just not saying to Sakoli. We're just discussing this because not I think it's, not at all. We're just discussing this because, because it's important to break this down. Mm-hmm. But so, for example, Rob, and this is a genuine question. I'm just asking you this question now. Yeah, I don't know if you've spoken about this. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was not a club legend, and he is a club legend, and he was a fantastic player, would he have been given the job on the interim basis if he didn't have a connection with the club? Based on his CV, based on what he's done done in his management career, would he have been given the job? I just I just explained that. He, he got the job because he spent four years in the back room. That's why he got the job, because they know him. So that's why they did it. They yeah, wanted so someone. They the wanted someone. He is connected to the club, and of course, he will always be most famous for that goal in Barcelona, winning us the treble. But that's not that you don't get a job because you scored a goal 20 years ago. That doesn't work like that. No one does that. That's ridiculous. They took him because, and Fergie will tell you this a lot about uh, about Ole, is that he was the one, he was the student. He was the one, when he was in the back room, he was the guy taking notes and going on extra courses and going abroad and learning his trade. And all of that's valuable. It's like Michael Carrick now. People value Michael Carrick because he's got that football experience, but he's learning in a kind of lateral way. And Michael Carrick will get a big job eventually, maybe even Manchester United. It's about making that judgment on someone on everything and not just one or two things. Football fans would always judge it on trophies. So you could look at Conte, bring Conte to the club. He just won the title, the Scudetto, obviously, in uh, in Italy with Inter. He's won the title here with Chelsea. You know, he's just great coach. If, if, if Conte came to Man United, we would all be bored to tears and it would all end in a year or two in tears. So y- you can still do it. You know, you can go get an Allegri. He's now going back to Juventus. Why did Juventus get rid of Allegri in the first place? Why did he walk from there? All of these things about subjectivity, Haydar, and this is the problem. It's about opinion. United's opinion at that time was that Ole was the right man. He came in, obviously, as an interim and blew it up and they gave him a contract very quickly. Now, that's something you might be able to say, well, should they have done it that quickly? Because it all fell apart. But I think in two or three years, there has been progress. Slow but sure. We haven't won a trophy. We haven't won a trophy. The football is better to watch. He's developed relationships with the best players on the team. He brought Bruno Fernandes to the football club. He brought Cavani to the football club. He's taken United from a really big kind of hot mess which is what we were under Mourinho, who is a generational coach with the best CV in the world. And that manager went to Tottenham, messed them up, and is now at Roma. So it doesn't always work like that. That's what I'm, that's my point. It's the same with Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann now has gone to Bayern, hasn't he? Nagelsmann's like, what, 23 years old or something. You know, he's a child. Yeah. yeah? Nagelsmann is the manager of one of the biggest clubs in the world. Why? He's not really won anything yet, has he? But it's done on instinct that you look at someone and you say, they're going to be good. So I'm going to go with it. And I, that's why I was all right with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting that job. I didn't believe that he got the job because he was a club legend. Because if you'd have done that, hey, you would just given it to Ryan Giggs. That would have been the easy choice. We want a club legend, bring in Giggsy. He's been part of that team. He was with Van Gaal. He was the assistant manager. Give it to Giggsy. 
but they didn't give it to Giggsy because Ole is the better coach. No doubt Ole is a better coach. Oh, look, I'm going to give my opinion on this, Rob, and then we'll move on because we've got to talk about Eric Bailly and uh, you know his, him starting to go back. Axel to and Guys, thank you for all your questions. Keep them coming. Uh, we'll try and answer as many as possible. I hope you're feeling a little bit better with this football therapy. I'm going to say exactly... I'm going to say exactly how it is, and this is how I feel. I felt like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got the job because he was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think he did a fantastic job as, as an interim manager. I think the club jumped the gun to give him the contract when they did. They did it on emotion and sentiment, and that straight after the PSG result. We saw United's form completely fall off a cliff. He was then given a, con a new contract, uh, permanent contract. I think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is exactly the manager we needed at the time to completely stop the rot. I've said this many times to you off air, that we needed someone to come in and get rid of the toxicity that we had under Jose Mourinho. The club was a horrible place. You know, you've got mm -hmm. sources at the club. I've spoken to people who have sources at the club. You know, the, the staff in the canteen were were absolutely hating life under Jose Mourinho. He was just, he was almost like a bad smell in the room. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has definitely turn the club around. There is definite progress. We are definitely on, I think, a good trajectory. The football is better. But I have doubts that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to win a title here. And that's not just on him. That's on who we have as owners. And they, you know, they haven't backed every single manager the way they should have done. But I also have doubts on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactical ability. I think he's a fantastic man-manager. But this tactical naivety that we're seeing, which we saw last night, and we've seen it a few times, Rob, in the semi-finals. We've had five semi-final defeats. There's been tactical naivety. Now, it's okay to point that out. I've said many, many times, I think Oli got the job too soon. He needed to go and get a Premier League job and then build his way up, in my opinion. I think he was the right person at the time and we needed him. But if United want to go and win titles, I think United need a better tactician. But that doesn't who, mean I wanted to get sacked this season. Who? Who? Give us, a, give, give us an answer then. Like you, 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 it's, it's great being kind of... Um... That, that ultimately in terms of subjectivity because you said there that and, and you know me i'm not ollie in not ollie out you know me it's just not it's not what i do so i look at it like this you just said he came in he got the job he's done a really good job united to move forward he's kind of fixed the dressing room and done all that but i i probably don't think he can do the job but he is no, doing the that's, job that's the ceiling that's the ceiling. Yeah, but I, again, the ceiling is a kind of made-up utopia. What is the ceiling? The ceiling is, can he win the title? Well, if Man City didn't have a good season this year, we'd have won the title with a really, really bad team. So it's like, it's it's how it is. It's like, you can't judge things just by the cover of a book. Yeah, that's how it is. People can look at him and they look at Ole. You said there he got the job because he's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't believe anyone gets a job because they have a name or, or a history at a football club. They do it because... Like the Glazers, people say, oh, well, the Glazers took him because it's an easy call to bring him in a club legend, shut the fan base up. But it doesn't work like that because if he doesn't win games, you just get sacked straight away. Frank Lampard, biggest legend at Chelsea ever, didn't actually do that bad, still got sacked. So I look at Ole. The reason why Ole is still in the job and going to get a new contract, unfortunately, people don't want to hear this. It's because he's actually earned it. He's deserved he it. Sh he should get a new contract. He should, yeah, but I, he I should don't get a new contract. You can't let a manager rob. You can't let him go into yeah. the next season. So, so you like just a... said there your tactician. So you said that obviously I wasn't Ollie's not a good tactician. And I and I believe that last night he showed that he was naive, definitely, 100 percent in that game. I don't think he's shown tactical naivety through the season, but I think that, that last night is absolutely on on point. So who is your tactician that you would bring in tomorrow? You're I'm the you're... Not, I'm not saying he's not a, not a good you're tactician. You're Malcolm Glazer back from the dead. Who are you hiring? Who would you hire tomorrow? Come on, who would you take? Hold on, hold on. You've got to have someone in prepared to line do, it to do it. I do have people in 
my head. Who? Have people in my head. Hold on, let me just say what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, I, I'm not one of those that subscribes to he's got no tactics because that's absolute nonsense. You don't finish second in Premier League with no tactics. But when you're looking at, for example, what our rivals have, you're looking at two of the best coaches in the world. We mm. are a club who are, we're a huge club with an illustrious history. Manchester United should also have the best manager. One Give of me your name then. The Who's the manager? Like Give Eric me your name. Ajax. Everyone knows I like Pochettino. You, you honestly were I taken like from Nick Ajax. Seriously. So you think you think that he's the third best manager in the world? I don't think he's the third best manager in the world, but the, the manager I would have liked is someone like Nagelsmann, but he's at Bayern Munich. Yeah. But, but why would you like Nagelsmann? I just told you he's 12 years old. He's getting younger now. He's like 11 next week. Because he's you know? shown wrong. What he's done what with Leipzig. He hasn't shown anything. Very small sample size. He's shown Your that he can drill race. a side. He's shown that he can drill a side and imprint a philosophy yeah. mm. on a club. He got into he got Leipzig to the semi-final of a Champions League. Leipzig were invented about 12 years ago. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just came second in the best league in the world. So it's it's hard. Like th that's my point, is that we can all have names and band them around. And I said loads of people said Conti today because it's just news, isn't it? Conti's a great manager, don't get me wrong. You know, but it's there's a there's more than that. It's about stylism and it's about knowing what the football club is. And that's not something that's easy always to translate. You know, you can be as good as Jose Mourinho and as good as Louis Van Gaal and still get it really badly wrong. I like Nagelsmann. I would have absolutely loved Nagelsmann. I mean he's a really good coach and I yeah. would give it Disgusting. to him i would give it to him on the basis that i believe that he is going to be a really really top coach but that doesn't mean he is going to become a really really top coach so this is the whole point of it if i'm going to solskjaer one say he wins a double next year he wins the premier league in the fa cup and then the following year he wins you the the champions league does that now make him the third best manager in the world the sixth make, best manager yeah, in Rob, the world Rob, number that's, one that's, like, does it matter you see no, but that's that's yeah. that's like saying so, that's so like saying if David uh, De Gea saves know. one penalty yesterday and we win that trophy and that's success, does that change the human being that runs the football club? I don't think not, it does. Not comparable success, sir. Let's let's be honest. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes and wins the title, no one's going to complain because Ole's showing that he's capable of doing that. There's no history. There will still be people complaining, Haydar. A hundred percent. People will still go. I don't like the style. I don't, I think he, you know, he mumbles in front of the camera. He's too nice. He, you know, he loves Marcus. You know, all of that stuff that people moan about all the time, they will still moan about. So this is my point is that, you know, you can only kind of do what you can do. If he, if United won the game 7-0 yesterday, people will be saying Oligan Solskjaer's a genius. And he was, he's not a genius. He's still the same bloke he was 10 minutes before the game. So my point is that he did make mistakes yesterday, but those mistakes are not catastrophic. It's about fixing your mistakes. And, and I think the whole point of it with Ole is that up to now, he's in the job because he's earned it. The minute he doesn't earn it, he's gone. So like I said with Mourinho, when we got second and we got those point totals and Mourinho was saying it's my greatest achievement ever, I was like, the problem is the team is so stylistically poor is that next season you're probably going to fail. That's exactly what happened. And he was gone. You know, and he had a he had a huge contract. He just signed a new deal. But the problem was is that Josie didn't get the football club, didn't understand it up here, didn't understand what we had in here as football fans at United, didn't really care. I think Ole gets all those things. I think he knows what the football club's about. He knows what the fans are about. And I think he's building a team, slowly but surely, that is there to compete. And we're going to talk about one or two names now, obviously, from uh, from yesterday's game. You know, Bruno and Rashford and all these other players that kind of part of it. 
who have had good seasons statistically. But now we do know that we need more. We keep saying this. We need better players to come in and supplement the players that have done really well for us. No doubt about it, Rob. Before I do that, it's, uh, there was a comment here. Um, Masood is, you know, he's uh, messaged it about 400 times. I have seen it, mate. Sorry, it's just it's just the, the comments are moving quickly. But um, he's basically asking, and by the way, I'm not saying to Sakoli before anyone saying that I'm not. We're I love your disclaimers. Discussion. I have to, Rob, because Rob, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, people just think, oh, I'm saying sack the manager. I'm not saying that. They're not going to sack him. He's going to get a new contract. He deserves an extension of a year, and I've said that. But at the end of the day, it's, but does it's, a year ask... show that you believe in him? This is a problem. Like your owner again. But that's there not just we go. So, so you're, you're, no, you're you are actually saying sack the manager. You said I don't believe he can, he's good enough to do a job. He'll never win the title. But give him a, a one year contract. The point is, is that you either give him a new contract of two, three, four years, or whatever, or you say you're not good enough. Get out of my football club. I'm going to go and get another manager. So it's one or the other. The problem is, is that it's not. We can't tread water at Manchester United. You know, Ole's not here to tread water. Yeah, uh, but that's the point, you see. So if we are treading water, then who do we? Who comes into the football club to fix it? This is my point. It's like you know, you could have gone and got Nagelsmann. He's gone. You could still go and get Pochettino. That's not happening. You know, you could go and get Zidane tomorrow. That's not happening. So yeah, exactly. No thanks. But there's still plenty of Man United fans going. I'd like Zidane. He's won everything. You know, Zidane's won three Champions Leagues. He's got the CV that's bigger than this whole world you know it doesn't mean that he's good enough for manchester united or the right manager so i think that's the crux is trying to find the happy medium but the point is is that while a manager proves it you have to give him the support you have to kind of say to him you, you can't pat him on the back and just go well do you know you've done well have an extra 12 months mate it doesn't work like that that's that's not that doesn't show the team that you're backing the backroom staff and the team are going to look at that they need security they need to look at their manager and say well, we believe in the manager but is this manager going to be there next year or the year after? You know, Paul Pogba's saying that right now. Paul Pogba's going, if I stay, do I get a manager that doesn't like me or I don't like, but I do like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, so I am going to stay. So those things do matter. And it's really about proving yourself, isn't it? Look, at the end of the day, I've said this all season long, back him this summer. Just give him who he wants. Yeah. For once, can the ownership do that? Give him who he Hope wants. So. Go and get yeah. the players. And then let him, I, I'm 100% of the view, Rob, give him who he wants in summer and let's see what he can do. I'm totally. 100% of you. And that's, that's, that's how I have been all season. What and that's I the natural order of football, yeah. isn't it? Like back your manager, back the manager and see what happens. And, and the, the point is, is so, they're not going to do that. That's the reality. So whichever manager we've seen in the know, past. No, no. When we say back, right, the, the point is we're saying sign players, right? And the point is, is that are you going to get Harry Kane for 150 million? Probably not. But it's just like the Glazers to throw that money at one player to shut everyone up. Yeah. And then you're you're coming on the show, doing our show, going, well, I said they wouldn't back the manager and they have. Well, it's, there's other ways of backing the manager as well. There's, there's, you know, it's not just signings. It's about how do you take the team to the next level? How do you make the contract situations work? How do you retain Paul Pogba? How do you keep Marcus Rashford fit? All of these things are all part of the big setup of Manchester United, and they're they're difficult questions to answer. So yeah, I, I don't. I think the Glazers will spend money this year simply because the Glazers are now on a big PR mission to shut United fans up. And there's no better way to shut them up. If they got Jaden Sancho, Haydar, you'd be moonwalking there across your room because you'd be so happy. And the Glazers out, Rob. And the Glazers know. 
And the Glazers know that, though. The Glazers do know that football fans are fickle and that if you win trophies, people shut up. And if you sign big players, people shut up. Like the day we signed Di Maria, we were all cock-a-hoop. The day we signed Falcao, we're all cock-a-hoop. We're really happy with Schweinsteiger. You know, when, when you sign players that kind of make you feel better about yourself, the Glazers know this. I now want to see United sign the right players. doesn't have to be someone we've heard of. has to be the right player that I comes agree. in and has an impact. And it might be Sancho. It might be Kane. It might be Haaland. But it's more about giving Ole what he wants. If he identifies his Bruno Fernandes, go and buy Bruno Fernandes. And they did that that one time. And it worked quite well. So I think they've seen that. I think there is a recruitment strategy now that said that maybe wasn't there before Ole came. And, and that's the credit to Ole. As a manager, he's the person that's implemented that. And he's changed things. And we're just about to lose Ed Woodward from that position of football power, which of also is a really, really good thing. I do want to add to that, Rob. It's not about signing the biggest and shiniest new toy. I want United to sign the players that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants. You know, let's yeah, say he wants um, Aaron Bari, who's that, that defensive midfield we got linked to tentatively the other day. If he Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thinks he's better, Paul Torres, like, yeah, you know, Paul Torres. Let's talk about Paul Torres in a minute. But if if Ole thinks that someone like Aaron Barry is better than Declan Rice and he's at a fraction of the cost, that's completely fine. I just want Ole to get the players that he wants. That's whether that's the most expensive yeah. player or not. I think what you know what's frustrating me is that, and you know maybe this is just because of what we've seen in the past. It's like. Ultimately, what will happen is Oli will ask for X, X, Y, and Z, and then he won't get that. And, and then, well, you know, got, who, got everything he wanted so far. Has he mm. got everyone he wants so far? He didn't I get Haaland. I, th I think he got the play. Like, when you look at it, Man United get linked with dozens of players every transfer window. So you can't get them all. You just can't. Uh, Haaland was a risk at that point, but the price was good, wasn't it? So now you look at it and you think, should have signed Haaland. Jude Bellingham went to Dortmund because Dortmund promised him things that Man United couldn't yeah. promise him. So you look at all these things. So he has got players that he wanted because he, I think Ole builds in, a, in, again, a more holistic manner, my favourite word, because he looks at the positions and what he needs per, per position, what type of player. When we signed Cavani, most United fans didn't like it. That's the truth. Most said he's finished, he's blown up, etc., etc. Even when we were talking about signing Bruno Fernandes, there was a significant amount of Man United fans that were like, who is this guy from the Portuguese league? Never heard of him. Not interested. So people do sometimes want the shiny toy, but it is important that he is backed. And I agree with you. I'm not saying they 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 might not back him. There is obviously that chance, but they have given him weapons to kind of take United to where they are now. The, the issue would be is if it just stopped like it did with Mourinho, but they stopped for a reason with Mourinho. That's the yeah, truth. No, yeah, they stopped for a reason with Mourinho because he... He, he, he was just like buying players and, and not using them and not being interested. And people might say, well, what about Donny van der Beek? It's the same situation. Well, let's see what happens with Donny. You know, this is still, there's still the future to come, isn't there? You know, he might still turn it around. We don't know. We, we don't think he will, but he might well do. Give Ole the time, give him the money, let him get those transfers in. Find the players that take you to the next level. Let's talk about that player, Paul Torres. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, Look, we've both watched him a lot this season. He's someone that I've I've watched extensively, more than any other centre back that we've been looking at this season. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how Brands been because I don't really I haven't really watched much. But I've liked Pau Torres for a while. I know you have as well. We've spoken about him for a long time. Now, the first myth I think that a lot of United fans saw yesterday was that he's not another Lindelof. Far from it, Rob. I'd say he's more in the um Laporte mould. 
I thought he was yeah I thought he was solid yesterday I don't think that he was outstanding but he didn't have to be outstanding but you can see a player like that next to Maguire or a player like that coming into defense can bring you that step closer to where you want to be fantastic player very good on the ball excellent positioning we talk about pace a lot or the fan base talks about pace a lot in the defense we don't need a really pacey center back. You said this last week. If we if he wanted pace, Axel or Bayou would be playing next to Maguire yeah. every single week. How many times does this back line get done for pace in behind? Very rarely. I can't think of any. It's more to do with, you know, maybe lapses of concentration. It's more to do with physicality in the box. We've seen that with Lindelof. But Pau Torres is a fantastic player. And what were your thoughts on him? Because I think that if United can wrap him up before the Euros, that's a great step forward in securing players that will turn the needle for Manchester United. I think it's a very, very good player. And I think that he actually did have a... Um, I think it discredited him a little bit from that game. I think he was really, really good yesterday because quiet performances at centre-back is what you want. You don't want your centre-back to be making incredible blocks in the last moment because he was out of position or whatnot or making a big Aaron Wan-Bissaka-type tackle. You want players to run the game. So I think he ran the game really well from uh, the left side of centre-back, um, even got forward a little bit. He's the, probably one of the best dribblers of the ball in La Liga from that position. And you've got to think about what do you want? What do you need? And it's very easy to say we need pace next to Harry Maguire. But I think what we do still see with Man United is that the control from the back end of the pitch isn't there. It's something that's still kind of very shaky. Now, again, I got tweeted today from a, another journalist that said, you know, Torres, Pau Torres is very, very similar to Victor Lindelof in the sense that Lindelof was brought to the football club to be a ball carrying centre-back. And that is true. He was. And the reason why that changed was that we bought Matic and Mourinho basically changed his whole back line. And this lad Lindelof, we signed for 30 million quid, didn't play for six months or whatever. So that kind of changed his start at Man United. But what we are seeing now is that there is, a, I think, a lack of football IQ at centre-back. So I think that Harry Maguire has got that IQ. I think that's his plus point. He reads the game really well. He can carry the ball. He, he's kind of a, a natural on both sides of it with his feet. So he can actually play on the right if he needed him to play on the right. There's no problem with that. He can kind of do that. No, no issues. However, Lindelof can't play on the left. So that is a big problem. So what do you do? You find a centre-back, Kadar, that can dribble you the ball out and bring the ball into midfield. And then you're not relying on Paul Pogba to do it. You're not relying on Fred to do it. You're not relying on pivots to be so kind of tight and, and rigid. It's because your centre-back can actually play some football. Now, Eric Bailly, for me, he was picked yesterday because I think he's the experienced player. He was also kind of um, being quite... Um, quite comments. fierce with his comments about, yeah. you know, if I don't get picked, then maybe I'll go and all this stuff. I don't think Ole's picking him for that reason. But I think Ole kind of went again with the trust factor and thinking, well, maybe Lindelof and Baye know each other better. However, they've, I think, played once or twice in two years together. So it wasn't a kind of choice done on method. It was just a decision. Tuenzeb uh, allows you to play a different style because he is quicker. And if you've got him in your squad, you can go and get a Pau Torres. £52 million release clause. He's very gettable. He's going to be the starter for Spain at the Euros. He's got a huge ton of upside in terms of what he could do. And you just put him in to add more football intelligence. Keeping the ball, 
possession at the right time, dribbling at the right time, passing at the right time. These things have become much more important than being able to run fast, than to be able to head the ball, than to be kind of like being rapid in terms of your coverage. Those things are still like important, like I would like them, but they are now no longer the most important thing. In the same way for a left back, left backs are no longer defenders. I get it all the time, my left back is a defender. He's not a defender, no, he's also now a winner. I fall back to defend first. Well, no one was complaining when Trent Alexander-Arnold won Liverpool the league, the Champions League. And got he was, 20 he's an awful yeah, so th that's the point, is that, is that, is that the, the positions have changed and centre-back is no different. You need to play out from the back. We do it. We play out from the back, don't we? The ball goes left, right, goes up to the, the full-back, comes back in. We do all of that. It's not something we don't do, but wouldn't it be nice to have someone who does it who's really, really good at it? Yeah, exactly. And something Pytorres does do is that he's very, very good at breaking the lines, you know, getting the ball right up to, let's say, whoever's playing it in the number 10 role so bypassing the midfield now yeah i don't see united upgrading on mcfred we've had this discussion last week we're not going to go into it i think they they need to but i don't see that happening if let's say united sign sancho and they do manage to get someone like Pau torres so someone having someone who's able to do that and is able to play progressive passes like that is such a big um you know, it's such a big advantage to have, Rob. You know, teams yeah. in the Premier League, a lot of teams press very, very, very aggressively from the front. Liverpool do it. Leeds do it. Manchester City do it to an extent as well. So to have someone that can do that is an extra bone in your armory. And look, we're looking to build from the back. We've seen that with Oli. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. And it's something that we said last week, Rob, in terms of Lindelof on the left. And let's compare sort of... Uh, Let's talk about Bailly here so we can see yeah. some of his, his statistics. You know, on the surface, it looks good, but there's a couple that are standing out here. The number of fouls, four. Possession lost, five. And the other thing I want to say is, you know, with Axel Two and Zabi. Now, we've seen him play. I think he's played very well in the last couple of weeks. He's had a difficult he's season. Yeah. He's had, um, you know, he's had awful racial abuse to, aimed towards him. But in terms of yesterday, did Oli get it wrong playing Lindoff on the left? when he probably should have played Axel, who's looked comfortable there, and uh, playing Bailly on the right. I think that there's this kind of uh, outward-looking style of, of what do you want centre-backs to be, of that, again, one's a ball carrier and one's quick, and uh, that, that supplements what you're supposed to do. And I think, as you see, is that when the ball pops along the back line, you've got to be happy that everyone can kind of do it. And we know that Wan-Bissaka has improved on that side. We know that Luke Shaw can do it. But then I think with that balance, like Bailly is not a ball carrier, but Bailly is not a great pass of the ball. When you look at his stats there, 103 touches, three clearances. Yeah, he's good at those things. One block, okay, interceptions, two. But then the, here comes the kind of key stats. Fouls, four. Possession, lost, five. Centre-backs can't lose possession. That's the first thing. Pau Torres wouldn't lose the ball once in a game. Pau Torres might lose the game once every six weeks. So that's one thing. Four fouls might not sound a lot in the context of the game. The issue is, is that whereby he plays and you're giving those fouls away, too tight to players, too tight to the attackers, going wide for the ball, slamming into the back of people, giving people set-piece opportunities, it would be easier not to give the foul away, Haydar, than to defend the set-piece. So... This all again comes down to football intelligence. I don't think that Eric Bailly is of the standard for Manchester United if we want to win the title. I don't believe Victor Lindelof is of the standard. It's not saying that they don't have their place in football. It's just that they don't have their place in this team. And unfortunately, we were forced to start them in many ways yesterday. I do kind of understand the two and Zabi decision. I would have been braver. I'd have played him for that 
tactical reason that I said to play him on the left because he's more comfortable. But I also get again why Ole picks these players. You know, it's not it's not massively controversial to is pick. He not, two- is he not too loyal to certain players? This is something that gets asked a lot. Is Does he, he not too loyal? Loyal no, I think to certain he, I, do, do you know what? I think he's not loyal to anyone. It's not loyalty. It's trust. He believes they are loyal to him. That's the difference. He's not he going. Players, players he, he's much. saying, he's saying in his head, I think, who do I trust more to get the job done? Eric Bailly today on the right with Victor on the left or Victor on the right with Two and Zabi on the left. Now we all would pick the lateral choice of Two and Zabi because he's the talented one. But Ole obviously watched these guys every day in training and on this matchup didn't fancy it. So I don't think he's about loyalty. I don't think it's ever about loyalty. I don't think managers do that. I hear that a lot that managers are loyal to players. What managers are is that they look at it and they go, Who do I trust? That's a different question completely different. He obviously trusted Baye and he obviously trusted Lindelof and Lindelof made a big mistake for the goal. You know, he gets run by Moreno. Moreno always does that run, kind of sneaks in the back and you kind of think to yourself, what are you doing? But, you know, he trusts these players to do stuff. He trusts Paul Pogba more in the pivot than he trusts Matic. So Pogba ends up in the pivot. So that but ruins you the other end of the pitch. So there is naivety there tactically, but I think it's a trust issue. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point, actually. Trust rather than loyalty. I think, you know, there is an element of certain players that he's trusting. Look, Marcus is one of them. Trust Marcus. Marcus is fit. We're not having this conversation, Rob. If Marcus is playing how he was earlier on in the season, the fact he was injured, I think that's where, in this instance, maybe trust was misplaced. Uh, look, it was. it's just one of those where I think it's going to take, for me personally, you know, it's going to take a little bit of a while to get over. But let's look on to next season, Rob, because I think that's the key. And, you know, where did Manchester United go from here? We've got a big summer coming up. Ultimately, we've seen many deficiencies across the season. We've done many, many shows on where, where areas. So what United need to do is they need to fix those areas. How can they do that? Go into the window and go and buy some quality. They need players that can come in and are going to take starting spots because there's a couple of players in there yeah. who shouldn't be starting week to week out. You know, in terms of was it a successful season in the league? Yes, for me, second place. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't laugh at that. So that's a good finish. Champions League, Champions League was a disaster for us. We know that. Europa League for me, you know, very disappointing the way that we played. It's more the manner of defeat, Rob. I can take a defeat. It's the manner of defeat. It just went so badly wrong. You know, you messaged me after the game saying that was atrocious. It was. And I yeah, think that was. was what the issue was. But moving forward, Oli needs to be backed. And we just need to take that next step in our progression because that's what it's about, just improving year on year. I know what my next season's um, thoughts are. Uh, honestly, the way I'm seeing it right now, Rob, like United are not going to win the title. They're not going to, in my opinion, they're not going to be able to displace Manchester City. I think Liverpool are going to be stronger. We're seeing Liverpool finish strongly near the end. Um, I think Chelsea are a force to be reckoned with as well. But uh, where do you see it? Because I know that sounds a little bit negative, but um, I, d- I do have concerns for next season. I, re- I really you're do so, have concerns. You're so Ole out. You're so Ole out. <laughs> My point is, I look at it this way. This way I look at it. We can't say, me and you, even in our analysis, 
cannot say for sure at this moment of time Man United won't win the league. We can't say that. Why? Because you might go and buy Harry Kane tomorrow. So this is the whole point. It changes on what 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 comes next. That's the question I think that's important. And I don't think our opinions at the moment, mine included, on that kind of thing of what we will do. We're not soothsayers. In, inventing what we think will happen. We can't just imagine it and it will happen yeah, or it will happen. So, do you think they could win the league? I, I think if United had Harry Kane, United could win the league. Definitely. If you not if United had Harry Kane, I think Harry Kane would score you 30 goals in the season. And I think what the whole point is that when you buy a player like Van Persie, right? When Van Persie came to the football club, Man United were rubbish. They were bad. Yeah. They weren't winning anything, Haydar. They bought Van Persie and won a title. Yeah, it, it can be done, you know, and we were doing that with cleverly and Anderson in our midfield. Like, come Sir on. Alex but Sir Alex, yeah, but the thing is, as much as Sir Alex was the best manager in history. And again, you learn this in the film and we know this for anyway, he wasn't the greatest tactician. He played 4-4-2, he played up and down and he shouted at people and got into them. So he was a psychologist more than anything. He got into people's heads. He got them to play more. You know, he pushed them on to be what they could be. But that's how he did it. And he relied on other coaches within his setup, Carlos Kiros, other people like that to kind of give him more. Look, we no, won no, the no. treble. We won the treble because of Steve McLaren. We won the treble because of Steve McLaren. Yeah. People won't want to admit that, but Steve McLaren was the guy yeah. who came in with all the ideas and changed things up after the season before, which was really disappointing. So what we know from the past is that losing games and, and disappointing seasons can be used to propel you on. So I think if United get the transfer window right in this period now, what's coming up, that can take them to the next step. And it's the only thing that can take them to the next step, Haydar. If you buy no one, then what you said is 100% correct. United can't win the title. If you don't buy anyone and you don't improve, you don't get your positional issues corrected, then you can't win anything. That's how it is. That's life. But if you improve, if you bring in that one player or two players that take you on, then you can. So let's look at it more in realism before we go. Sancho is a realistic target and could happen. £80 million is doable. Pau Torres, £52 million release clause, centre-back, that is doable. So that's two bona fide first-team starters, yeah? They would start every week. What do you then add on top? For me, I know people, again, we talk about McFred, we talk about the pivot and all of that, but as I said, I don't think you win titles from the pivot. It's nice to have good defensive midfielders or midfielders who can do the eight role and all of that. But United still need, and we saw it yesterday, someone to put the ball in the net. So go and find yourself a striker, whether it be Harry Kane, it won't be. You know, if you get those other two, then it won't be Kane. If you get those other two, it's not going to be Haaland this year. It might be Haaland next year. But there are players on the market who are Premier League ready, who can score your goals. And they're all unfancied names. I know people don't like them, but... You look at it, you can look at Danny Ings, someone who would run that front line for you. If you, if you wanted a classical number nine, who was probably cheaper, but has shown this year that he can score goals, you could look at a Bamford. You could do. You could look at an Ollie Watkins, who's shown that he can run that he can run those channels and play those roles and do different things. You could even go the other side way, Haydar, and say, do you know what? We're going to diversify a bit and we are going to go and get Jack Grealish this time. So you could get those players and put them together, and then you model them within what you've got. And that means then you don't have to play Rashford every week. It doesn't mean we're relying on Cavani. We're then not saying to Mason, you've suddenly got to be a number nine like that, because if you're not, we're not going to win the league. All of those things are answered by complete 
progressive signings next year Hannibal's going to be in the team yeah Hannibal is nearly ready Ahmed is nearly ready Shortier is nearly ready these players are all on the cusp of becoming much better than they are they're kind of on like where Mason was for that year or two when he was first involved and then bang last year he was there when he scoring what was it 17 goals or whatever it was over the the course of the whole season so we can do that with the youngsters but you've got to bring in the supplementation of pure quality. Sancho would be a great name. I'd like Torres. We talked about him. If you got Kane for 150 million, which sounds like dream world, then hurrah. You know, if you bring in Harry Kane, he's the best striker in the world. Him and Lewandowski are the two strikers in the world with Haaland who score you goals with their eyes closed, even when you're playing badly. Harry Kane knows the Premier League. The issue for him is fitness. So if you got one of those players, Haydar, then the conversation changes. So it's not worth us saying today, we're not going to win this, that or the other next year. The irony of it is, look at the Chelsea team. This Chelsea team is garbage at times. They're in the Champions League final, Haydar. You know, they were so bad, they sacked their manager only a few months ago. It shows that, if you can get one or two or three things right, you can make big jumps quickly. And I think that's what Ole has to do now. Ole has to learn from the errors that he's made this year. And he has to look at the weaknesses. And what we hear is that he is a ruthless type of guy. You know, he doesn't mess around. There will be players leaving the club this year. There's no doubt about it. Because I think he's made it clear that he doesn't need those players. And he will cut them. And there will be two or three. So two or three will come in. Two or three will leave. And then we might see United State play something slightly different, but within obviously what we've seen already. I feel loads much better now. After yesterday, I feel tons better. You, watch that. you should watch that movie, Rob. Maybe you know, I watch the movie. Watch go and watch the movie, everyone. Because if you watch the movie, it's not, you know, we, we all love Sir Alex. We all love what happened and all that. And as I said to Haydar before we started, I'm old enough to really remember it. I was there. I was I was a kid, but I was there and I remember all of it. And I remember United being much worse than we are now. I really do. And in the days where people would say to me all the time, United will never win a league title. And I would say the same thing. 25 years gone, we're never going to win a title. Leeds won the title that year with Lee Chapman and David Batty and Eric Cantona. And I can remember having conversations with friends going, it will never happen for us because we're just that club. We're cursed. You know, we are a cursed football club. Following year, we won the title and we didn't stop winning the title. So it, it can change, but you've got to find those players to come in. That's the only way to really do it is to improve your lot. 100%. You have to. That's the only way we're going to improve, Rob. Yeah. And look. And winning the Europa League wouldn't change that, you see. We could have won the Europa League. And if you don't buy anyone, you win nothing the next year. So that's the way I'm looking at it now. I think if you, if you buy correctly in the summer and find those right players, fans are back in stadiums. Could be a different whole kettle of fish. I need the summer off. <laughs> I, need to, I need to uh, get, you know, I absolutely love this club. Look, it's been a, it's been a mad year, hasn't it? Obviously, um, we started the masterclass in September, I think, or October yeah. time. And we've had, you know, football twice a week. It'd be great to get fans back in, you know, even just seeing a handful of fans we've seen the last couple of weeks has just been amazing. I think we and all we need only the summer lost, off. We only lost like six games. Like that was six, seven games we lost in a whole year and didn't, and we were unbeaten away from home, except yesterday where we were away from home and didn't win. But, you know, overall, the season, even though it's been a slog, because it always is at Manchester United, it's, it's a slog. It's been worse. 
It's been worse. Like this is the this is the irony of it. The Mourinho year, the last year was a slog. It was horrible. The last Van Gaal year out of the two again was horrible. I was at all those games, and it was a nightmare. And we're not there. We're not at that. We're really not at that level of bad. We're really not. We're much more more progressive as a team. We're a better team. I do believe we're still a team of moments. That's my catchphrase on it. I've said it a lot, yeah, and are. that's I've seen that go around now uh, social media a lot. Team of United, a team of moments. The whole point of it is, is that I do think that we're still building in the correct direction, but it only carries on if the brickwork is in place. And that brickwork is going to have to be probably a Sancho to start off with. If we don't get Sancho, it's going to have to be a Kane. And then you need to build around that and find the other players. And let's hope we do that, Rob. Guys, look, thank you so much for all your support during the season. We weren't meant to do a masterclass today, but we thought we'd do one. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better hopefully 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 it's like football therapy we have got rob the football therapist here i'm still a little bit uh you know a little bit frustrated but the summer's gonna be really good rob i'm looking forward to watching england in the euros i'm looking forward to forgetting about united for the summer because that's what i want to do let's yeah. hope that we get sancho let's hope that we get the players that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants if he wants mickey mouse buy him mickey mouse because that's what i want to see us do don't give him players that he doesn't want to do and inevitably they'll sit on the bench for me, all I care about the Euros. All I care about the Euros is that none of our players get injured. All I, all I care about the Euros is Marcus Rashford doesn't play. Rob, I want I, him to I have did, a rest. No, no Man United players get injured. That's all I care about. We've got players who are going to be in the Euros. Bruno Fernandes will be there for with Portugal. I don't care if Portugal win the Euros or not. I want Bruno Fernandes fit on day one at Manchester United. So this is my problem with international football. People always go, "Oh, you know, terrible against England." I, I would like England to win it, but you know, with the caveat that mo no Man United players get injured. I'm not, I don't want England yeah, to win yeah. it. I don't want England to win it and Mason Greenwood to break his foot. I don't want that. Absolutely. And that is one big positive, Rob, this season. Mason Greenwood, phenomenal player, phenomenal talent. I'm so excited. It's been a long time since I've been that excited about a player. Probably Wayne Rooney, I would say, coming mm -hmm. through from the academy. Well, obviously, Rooney's not from the academy, but when Wayne Rooney joined. And uh, guys, look, please share this, retweet it, tell your friends. Myself and Rob will be doing shows in the summer, but they're going to be more focused around, you know, if Sancho joins, we'll do a tactical masterclass regarding that. Rob, any last words before we wrap up for the season? No, I just think that as disappointing as yesterday was, it is one game. It is a big final that was a huge opportunity to take home some silverware. But now we have to use that disappointment to fuel us to go to the next level. And that's the way it has to be. And I think that's what Ole will be telling the players. And I liked what Marcus Rashford said after the game yesterday, where he was really, really, really kind of aggressive in a sense of what he was saying. And he said, you know, I will run through brick walls for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And this manager will not allow us to fail because that's who he is. That's the kind of character he is. He was very, very strong in his words. And I believe him. I really do believe that the... That, that the camp is as happy as it's been for eight years. And that's the starting point of where you need to be. I don't think there's anyone in that camp there now who have kind of maybe just stealing a living, maybe players we don't like, maybe players that do need to be moved on. But I think the squad is healthy. I think that the, the new players will come in and the vibe around Manchester United remains good, even despite this horrible defeat. Let's hope we learn from it. Let's hope that we're back and using it, as you said, as a way to, to ignite our season and let's go for the title next year thank you guys take care have a great summer and we'll see you next time this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network 